The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Good morning and welcome to Planning Your Financial Future on 900 CHML. Different voice? Yeah, it's not Scott Thompson. Rick Samprin in for Scott as uh, Scott enjoys a little R&R. But pleased to be joined by Gary Hogan, Senior Financial Consultant at Fox Group Private Wealth Management. We're also going to be joined today by Jay Llewellyn, also a Senior Financial Consultant at Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find him online, donfox.net. That website address again, donfox.net. And you can call IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Gary, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? I am fantastic. We're going to be talking about uh, our two favorite topics, COVID-19 and finances. <laughs> Maybe not in that particular order. <laughs> that's uh, that's quite a combo for sure. But, you know, and good morning, Jay. Good morning. Um, How you doing? Great, great. Thank you. You know, I, I thought it was uh, probably a good time to sort of recap um, what we've been through from a financial perspective, as it relates to the whole, the whole situation with uh, with COVID, which of course we're not uh, completely finished with by any means at this point in time, but um, I, I thought it would be um, helpful to really just um, look at a reflection of of what's happened from you know basically from February or so of 2020 through to the current situation. And um, and how the financial landscape has has really changed during that time. So you know, investors generally uh, their financial confidence heading into to COVID and, and the very very early stages of COVID um, is something that I wanted to, to start with. So uh, as we were moving into COVID, so just really pre-COVID and then the the very initial stages. Um, it's interesting. There was a survey done by uh, the bankruptcy firm of M and P Limited, and they found that almost two thirds of respondents, so uh, specifically sixty-one percent, said that they were confident that they could afford their living expenses for a full year without adding to their debt. In addition, respondents said that they had uh, about one hundred and fifty dollars more left on average at month's end after paying all their bills, their lifestyle expenses, their their fixed expenses and so on, and their savings. Uh, and there was no real way of knowing what the economic magnitude of, of COVID might bring once uh, we were faced with it. Um, but what we did see very quickly were insolvencies quickly beginning to rise. And despite the initial level of financial optimism, uh, many began to feel a loss of control with their obligations. So very quickly, the virus situation began to worsen, as we know. And uh, only 23% of the survey respondents expressed an expectation that their, their personal financial situation would improve. So we really went from a, from a high to uh, a period of, uh, of, of concern with respect to overall financial affairs. Now, mid-COVID, if you will, and mid-COVID could be described as, you know, six months in uh, through to, uh, to 2021, to areas within that that scope. Uh, Ipsos Reid conducted a survey at that time, which suggested that with the implementation of of the vaccines and the rollouts and so on, the government subsidy programs that were in place, uh, that those things began to impact investor confidence in terms of of their personal finances. Uh, We also, throughout 2021, we had an outstanding 
uh, stock market result. And uh, seniors in particular, despite being, uh, you know, a real contrast there, because seniors, of course, were were more at risk from a health perspective, but at the same time, from a financial perspective, generally showed a strong increase in financial well-being. Um, and and a good re- uh, one of the main reasons for that, of course, is because there was very little change in in revenue, and if anything, uh, expenses or expenditures did decrease. Uh, the 2020 year end results were very counterintuitive to the to the challenges of COVID, um, in that more respondents indicated having more money left at the end of the month and less concern about their finances controlling their life. And, you know, when we think back, that was very much the case because we talked a lot about and we heard a lot about people saying, I know in our in our industry, uh, people say we're just not spending money and our savings accounts are increasing and and so on. And people um, had less concern about their finances controlling their life and, and had reduced frustration over never having the things in life that they uh, that they that they wanted. And car sales were buoyant. People were buying pools uh, to the point where uh, they had to wait a full a full year to really have pools installed. And and of course, the, the renovation business was uh, was very strong despite the the lack of supply of uh, of materials. Um, and at the same time, interestingly enough, if we look at the millennial respondents, they they certainly didn't share the same level of confidence. And they were more likely, that was a group that was more likely to have lost their jobs. When we look at the, um, the prevalence of uh, hospitality and service sector jobs that uh, a lot of those younger people were working in. Um, they were also less likely to feel that they were making good financial decisions so far. And this is all from the same survey. They were not confident about being prepared and on track to meet their financial goals. And uh, for many, it was the first major uh, societal shock, if you will, that they had to deal with in their lives that, uh, you know, that that impacted their both their health situation as well as their their livelihood. More recent stages. So let's let's look at that, because a lot has a lot has happened. So with the feeling and, and signs uh of uh, starting to emerge from from the pandemic. I mean, we've been feeling that if we go back a full year, even Rick, uh, we remember how optimistic we were last summer that we were, you know, we were working our way through this, and uh, that level of optimism and investor confidence increased dramatically, as reflected, as I alluded to earlier, the banner year in the markets of of 2021. The 18 to 34 age group, as the restrictions loosened and the economy was was opening up, responded in a very positive manner at that point in time in their responses to being generally more more optimistic. Uh, According to the surveys, women were slower to rebound from the financial consequences of COVID than men. The date showed that that women were twice as likely to feel feel anxious about their finances. And and some of the stats that came from the survey was uh, uh, 54% of women had experienced at least one negative financial outcome due to the pandemic. Uh, working hours had been cut. I think that, uh, what do you think that would be, Gary? Gary, what do you think that would be? Would it be more uh, occupational? Is that, that probably it could be? I- it could be, but I hate to I hate to put a you know to conclude anything with that, Jay. Really, because um, right. you know certainly women in the workforce represent the full spectrum just as sure. men do. So, so I really, you know, I, when I saw that number, I, I really, I really couldn't put a, a reason to that. Um, working hours were cut. Uh, that was another factor. 
32 uh, percent said that they didn't have uh, sufficient discretionary income, and 46 felt someone uh, somewhat or much less prepared for an economic emergency. I know so, childcare was childcare was another thing that was an issue. You know, a lot of uh, these these in-home childcare facilities that were available, let's say. Um, for even if it's a single mother, um, not being able to put your kid into childcare during that time, right? So that was a scramble. Gotta, now yeah. you can't. Now you now you can't go to work. Yeah, that was right? a scramble, so, and also yeah. uh, at home schooling, right? Uh, sure. Depending on which parent uh, decided that they would they would bear the brunt of that, mm-hmm. um, but certainly in many households, it, it it meant at least one income earner was uh, was affected in some way. Yeah. Um, more recent studies by Polara strategic insights concluded that almost one half of Canadians who were not currently retired indicated that the pandemic has made them rethink what their retirement would look like and, and, and how they'll get there. Basically uh, 63% said that they would now prefer to spend their retirement in their own home rather than retirement living facility. And a lot of that of course is, is the outbreaks that we continually heard about. And, uh, and, you know, and the concern about that shutdowns and so on. 50% said the pandemic was uh, had made them prioritize uh, being closer to family and remaining in Canada than elsewhere. We're starting to see people travel now. So I think that was more short lived, uh, that particular concern. One third of Canadians who were not retired felt the pandemic will cause them to delay their retirement. Whether that proves to be the case or not, you know, we'll see. Now, the study also revealed that that most uh, actually, 88% of working Canadians reported uh, being uncertain about the amount of money they would need during their retirement to cover their expenses. And uh, 67% saw a greater need for an emergency fund, uh, both currently and uh, as well as in retirement. 50% of Canadians are now considering getting their estate plans in order uh, long before they, uh, they may be in a situation where they pass naturally. Uh, 40% are now thinking about uh, health care coverage that they might need in retirement. And uh, 46% uh, said that they uh, will need more money in retirement than they originally thought. Now, Jay, these are things that we're all dealing with with clients right now in terms of the impact of what, what COVID has had on people's mindsets and people's uh, vision about the future and so on. But there's um, uh, if, we, if we fast forward now to 2022, and how things can change overnight and change very quickly. We're still dealing with the pandemic, albeit people that are contracting it. Uh, this last uh, strain are not typically not as sick. They're not as ill. The hospitalizations aren't being impacted, of course, like they were. Life is, uh, you know, is is pretty much uh, as close to normal as it has been yet uh, since since we started this situation. Uh, so here we are now experiencing, you know, this 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 newest wave, um, but with a very different current landscape, economic landscape. So we have soaring, infla- soaring inflation, increasing interest rates, market pullback, increasing debt load, and a major war with grave and, and broad consequences, of course. And all of these things uh, will play out in their own ways. And in the meantime, our expectations will evolve along the way. So those working with a holistic, comprehensive, certified financial planner, you know, will undoubtedly weather this storm as as we always do, stay focused and execute from their financial plan.
Lots to chew on there, and uh, it's incredible to look back at all the things that we had to endure over the last uh, two-plus years. Uh, When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the questions you should be asking your advisor as you do reflect in the last two years and the many years ahead. You're listening to Planning Your Financial Future on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is Planning Your Financial Future on 900 CHML. My name is Rick Zamprin. Pleased to be joined by Jay Llewellyn and Gary Hogan, their senior financial consultants at Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can call IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Again, that's 905-972-7420. Online, donfox.net is the website to go to. That's donfox.net. Uh, we're going to talk about some questions you should be asking your advisor. I have about a million and a half of them. Jay, we have about 16 or so <laughs> minutes. I'm not sure we'll get to all million and a half, but uh, what should no, we be asking your advisor? So. Yeah. So, you know, kind of segue onto what Gary was saying. A lot of people during COVID, uh, re-looking at their finances, reviewing what's going on, talking to their advisors, maybe not talking to their advisors. We know that some advisors, you know, crawled into a hole during the last two years and, and kind of hid from everyone because they didn't know what to say to their clients. And then others were very proactive. So we, we've got advisors that are proactive. We've got clients that are are concerned and that they, you know, they were asking tons of questions to their advisors over the last two years saying, you know, what's going on? What can we do? How can we protect ourselves from what's gone on in COVID and and going ahead in the future? How do we protect ourselves for the next thing that happens? So lots of questions that that happened over the last couple of years, but I I would look at something that, you know, that doesn't really... I know, come to top of mind for a lot of people when they're when they're asking their advisors questions. Most questions, you know, the first question that we get is from our clients. If if it's prospect comes in the office, they ask questions like, "What's your average return for clients?" And it's that's such a broad statement. We've got all different types of clients with different risk tolerances and, and ages and stages. So that that question is really not a question that you can ask, um, depending on what investments you're in. So that's it's it's a good question, but it's a, it's a real difficult question to answer. So the questions I'm going to answer or ask uh, or, or ask our listeners to, to ask their existing advisors, um, a lot comes around transparency. So studies show that financial service industry historically does a poor job of being transparent. So with fees, um, what, what they're doing for their money, what, what's going on behind the scenes. So in the last couple of years, we've seen the financial service industry really really step up their game in terms of um, improving what they what they charge in fees and reporting it on statements. So uh, if, if you look on your investment statements, most institutions now are reporting exactly what, what you're paying in fees um, from an advisor standpoint and from a management standpoint. So definitely a concern for clients looking to sharpen their pencil and, and get, get some good value for their for their for their dollars that they're putting towards their their retirement savings or their or their nest egg. Um, yeah, so when it comes to your money, you got to you have to trust an advisor. Trust is the number one thing. It's it's um, it's paramount. If you if you don't trust your advisor 100%, perhaps you should start looking elsewhere. I I look at uh, you know if you've lost any trust during the last two years during this COVID by by not hearing from your advisor, um, it, it's something that you definitely have to make paramount in your in your in your 
your uh, retirement plan. Uh, transparency and accountability. Follow uh, follow close second to the honesty and that trust level. Um, where you what are you getting for your returns, or what are you getting for your fees that you've paid? Um, you need to you need to be accountable as an advisor, and you need to keep your your advisor accountable. Um, if you don't see value in the fees that you paid, again consider looking elsewhere. Um, the sad and unfortunate truth is is that most people, when they're looking for an advisor, um, they they probably spend more time looking for that car and and looking to to purchase a car, and they'll put hours and hours into test driving and mm-hmm. research and looking at consumer reports and looking at the gas mileage and and looking at all these things, and that's what they do when they buy a car because it's a tangible item and it's it's easy to touch and feel and and see, um, but they don't do the same. They don't take the same. Uh, respect towards an advisor. And and it's your life savings we're talking about here. So I think I encourage our clients and encourage our listeners to spend a little bit more time when they are researching uh, their advisor or even evaluating their existing advisor to to make sure you've done your homework. um, Because it's, it's, there's a lot more to it than just buying a car. A car might be a big purchase, but your, your life savings are, are far more important in our, in in our perspective. So Jay, what what type of research um, should we be doing when we are investigating, you know, a a variety of different financial advisors? Yeah. So the research you can, you can definitely Google, Google your advisor and that may be helpful or may not be helpful, uh, depending on what's, what's, uh, what's, what's reported on Google. Um, but I would say that there's questions that you, the, the main questions you want to ask, um, fees, tra- fee transparency. So how much are you paying? Uh, how much does the advisor get paid? Uh, be very blunt and very upfront. If I'm investing this amount of money, how much are you getting paid to do this? And if you don't see value in that from a from a client's perspective, maybe it's something you need to reconsider and look at doing something with a different advisor or doing something on your own. You know, we've got lots of clients that do uh, self-directed self-directed accounts. Unfortunately, though, what we find is when when a lot of these clients think they can do it on their own, it seems easy because all you have to do is set up an account online and press a button and and now your investment or now you're investing and you're an investment uh, guru all of a sudden because you've you set up an account. And, and to be honest, we find often that there's a lot more mistakes that happen during these those types of accounts than not. Um, you know, people say, well, I, I, I just invest in a GIC when the markets aren't doing well or when COVID hit, let's just invest in the GIC. And as Ed Gary had alluded to, you know, the markets skyrocketed in the last two years. Now we're seeing a little bit of a pullback in 2022 here, but um, a lot of people when they were doing it on their own felt they should be cashing out and putting money into into cash and that did nothing but hurt themselves um and it crystallized the losses that they had in their portfolio so definitely uh looking for advice sometimes can be very costly if you don't if you don't get the right right advice and if you're doing it on your own sometimes it can be very costly uh regulatory controls so what kind of controls are are put in place is is the agency or the the dealer covered under cdic so that's a that's an insurance that's enforced that that helps protect the client uh, or protect the investor um has the advisor ever received disciplinary action so uh, have they ever been charged with anything you know they're just because they're an advisor doesn't mean that they're trustworthy um they they may have gone through some kind of uh regulations and disputes over in the past and that's easily looked on any one of our mfda sites cfp sites cdic sites um which are available and you can look up 
client complaints um, on there, as well as, as, as I mentioned, Google. Um, experience. Uh, you want to know what kind of experience the advisor has. Just because he's been in the business for 25 years doesn't mean he's good or she's good. Um, what licenses do they have? What diplomas? What degrees? What certifications? Uh, do they do continuing education? I know Gary just went through a rig a rigmarole with uh with his with his e credits and doing a lot of ce credits um and it's it's just something that has to be done and you you have to you have to continually educate yourself you know i i went to university 30 years ago i did my cfp uh 23 years ago i did my clu 13 years ago but it doesn't stop there just because you have a cert, cert certificate doesn't mean that you stop learning um gary and i are doing hours and hours every year making sure that we're compliant has as well as learning and being better at, at advisors. If you're if you're stagnant, you're not you're not learning and you're not keeping up with the times. And clients really respect that, and they want to know that you're that you're doing the right things in terms of um, educating yourself on an ongoing basis because the, the environment's changing all the time. Um, communication. So, how often does your advisor communicate with you? Um, looking at what are you doing face to face meetings? Are you doing phone calls? Um, are you are you just sending statements. How are you communicating with your clients? So ask the advisor, if you want to be contacted once a month and the expectations of the advisor is to contact you once a year, maybe that's not such a good fit. So definitely want to look at what are the expectations for communication? Um, is it just statements? Is it once a year meeting? Is it reviewing your financial plan once a year? Is it reviewing your financial plan every couple of years? Um, so set those expectations um, from an advisor standpoint and a client standpoint. We need to know what um, what they're looking for and, and what, what you're looking for. Um, access hey, we, to information. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Sorry, Jay. I was just going to say we have a, we have a large team and, uh, there's, there's definite benefits, uh, to that naturally in terms of the resources and, and, uh, levels of knowledge and so on. And I think certainly that's a, another factor that really matters or should matter to people in terms of, you know, how deep are our resources, as far as dealing with a variety of different situations. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's perfect. Perfect segue into the next one is personalized service. So are you dealing with one person? Or are you dealing with the team? If you are dealing with that team, who's your point of contact on that team? Um, uh, a lot of these, a lot of advisors now have these team setups, but if you're not dealing with the person you want to deal with, make sure you're dealing with the key person that you trust the most. Obviously, the team is 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 effective and you've got people on your team that can step up and, and, and help out and you've got experts on the team. So if you've got, you know, you put your ego aside sometimes and there's a there's an investment executive or an investment expert, there's an insurance expert, there's an estate expert, there's a tax expert. So, and then does that team uh, collaborate with an accountant and a lawyer. Um, so you really have to look at what levels of service that you're going to be able to get in, on a personalized basis. Is it is it just a one one man show and he's he's and he or she's running the whole thing, or do you have a team of professionals helping you out? Um, investment philosophy, very important. Um, ask your advisor, what's their investment philosophy? Um, are they chasing returns and, and looking in the rear view all the time? Are they, are, are they sim simply buy and sell or buy and hold? Um, or passive. So um, are they a value or are they a growth investor? Um, small cap or large cap? Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, what are they, what are they looking at? So again, 
every investor has different needs and wants. And you really have to ask these questions before you before you get into an engagement with an advisor to know you're getting the exact same thing or the exact products and, and service that you that you expect. Um, and, and again, expectations um, are, are, are first and foremost. Client experience. Um, can you explain that? What does it look like? So when you go, when you meet with an advisor, what does it actually look like? What are you going to be doing with that advisor on an ongoing basis? Are you receiving uh, monthly? Month, monthly uh, statements? Are you receiving annual reviews? Um, that, what's the experience look like? Are you coming into the office? Do you, do you have an office environment? Um, are, are there house calls? Um, a lot of a lot of clients that we've had in the past, we were meeting at their homes and now we're doing Zoom calls. Um, a lot of clients say, you know what? No need to come to the house. I'm comfortable doing Zoom. I do it at work all day. Um, I'm very comfortable uh, meeting you through Zoom. We've got some new clients that we've brought on during the pandemic that we've never met face to face, and it was just unheard of that that would happen. You know, you you put pen to paper and you shake hands and you and you meet someone. You've got body language, and it's it's a lot different than than it was two three years ago when we did meet people face to face, and now we're meeting on Zoom or Teams or, or FaceTime. And some of these people I've never even met in real life. Um, it's all been virtual, but um, we're making it work. Um, succession. So you, what you want to do is look at what's going on in terms of the business. You know, if you're, it's great to have some experience and, and someone that's got 25 or 30 years experience, you would think they've earned their stripes and they're, they're going to be a good advisor. But what if they're going to retire in the next two, three years? What have they got in terms of a succession plan? Who's following in those footsteps? What happens to, to your money if something happens to that advisor? So you really want to ask that question and say, okay, you know, what's, what's, the forward thinking. Obviously, you can't work forever. Um, and, and who's going to take over? And are, are you comfortable as a client dealing with that person that's that's going to take over? So a lot of things to think about there, a lot of, lot of different questions that you have to ask. Um, client profile, what's your ideal client? So ask the advisor, are they dealing with likes? So people that are like you, um, if, you're, if you're a teacher or a, a police officer or, or, or something like that and, and you've got an Omer's pension and you want someone that really knows Omer's pension in, inside and out, make sure that advisor's dealing with those types of people. If you're a small business owner and you've got corporations and you've got group plans and, and different things like that, is the advisor capable and it, does he have experience or she have experience dealing with those types of clients? Um, not always will it be a good fit. Um, how many clients do they service? So if the client, if they've got thousands and thousands of clients and their and their your expectations is are to be seen every couple of months it's going to be pretty difficult for that advisor to see all his clients um every couple of months if he's got thousands of clients so know what the expectations are again from how many clients they service uh how many can they service? Are they growing their business? Are they are they shrinking business? So get to get a good feeling of where the business is at and where where that business is going, as opposed to just just because a person's got thirty years experience that they're going to be a good advisor. Not not necessarily always the case. Um, yeah, extremely important for investors to do their homework when choosing a wealth advisor. Uh, your advisor should be able to answer all your questions with ease um, and prove that, uh, you know, back up what he's got or she's got in terms of the documentation, showing what the fee schedules are, showing what their service model looks like, supporting all the standards that they, they put forward and, and let, let the client know this is a 
exactly what your expectations are. Um, often we're finding that um, a lot of people will, will come to us with their financial plan and their financial plan is an investment statement. Well, that's not really a financial plan. A financial plan is going through a detailed cash flow analysis, detailed assets and liabilities, looking at your pension statements, looking at your insurance documents, going through your wills, detailed comprehensive financial planning isn't an investment statement. So when you're looking to get a new advisor or, or, or considering switching advisors, make sure you're asking the questions that we just went through. Um, if your advisor can't provide you with um, a uh, advice in common language, um, maybe it's time to look somewhere else. Um, Jay, a couple other thoughts, just because uh, you've listed quite a few. Actually, Gary, before you jump in, let, let's yeah. take our uh, let's take our next break here because we're plumb out of time. So we'll dive into these oh, okay. questions. And Jay, you probably answered about a million and a half of the ones that I had. We'll yeah, dive, yeah. We'll dive into these issues in our upcoming segment here. Stick around. You're listening to Planning Your Financial Future on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is Planning Your Financial Future on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin in for Scott Thompson. Joining us today, Jay Llewellyn and Gary Hogan, Senior Financial Consultants at Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find them online at donfox.net. That's donfox.net. And call IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. That's 905-972-7420. Just before the break, we were getting into a bunch of questions you should ask your advisor. And Gary, you wanted to jump in as well. Yeah, I I was just going to add, I mean, that was a long list, and I know that was incredibly helpful to, uh, to people. I think one other thing too that's really important, and and I know Jay uh, Jake does this in his practice, uh, as do I, as does Don and Mitch. Uh, develop, make sure that the advisor that you're considering uh, has has an, a, a concrete investment philosophy, just a, a general investment philosophy. Um, I think that's really important because that's another way to gauge whether you think that there's a, a real fit. Because a lot of advisors have strong beliefs about certain things, about ways of investing that they may do themselves or follow themselves, but it may not be right for for any other any other potential client. So, um, just point, on the heels of yep. yeah, on the heels of what Jay was was going over too. So, recent statistics show that forty nine percent of Canadians work with an advisor. Now, how accurate that is, it's it's really hard to say, but. That's, uh, that's what most studies report at this point in time. Um, what they also show, which is really interesting, is, is many people don't, don't fully follow the advice that they're given. Mm. And, and, you know, we, we do see that on occasion. I have to say, though, I think uh, we're fortunate in that uh, typically our clients follow the plan that we've, we've collectively put together with them because it's their input that... Uh, that helps us build the plan, but out in the industry, uh, I know that uh, that that is very much the case. In fact, the, a study that was done showed that 16% of people fully follow their advisor's advice. Now that that's a very widespread thing. That's you know that's all of the financial services uh, companies that are out there. 84% um, make their own decisions about aspects of what was shared with them, 
uh, regardless of, of what the overall advice was. So in other words, they only take part of the advice. And not following advice, uh, obviously, and we've seen this over the years, Jay, that uh, that can lead to poor outcomes or at least non-optimal outcomes. So, you know, what is, what is, why is it that people in some cases don't follow the advice? Well, there's, I think human nature is what it is. There's, there's psychological factors there um, as to whether an individual is comfortable accepting advice. Um, or, or do people just, some people just choose parts of it that they think uh, work for them or that they're willing to do. So, you know, when advice, um, when advice that we provide matches the goals that people have shared are important to them, uh, that's why it's important to to follow through on a on a comprehensive plan. But there are people who who just generally don't feel comfortable taking the advice to the degree that that sixteen percent does, according to to studies. Um, mindset. So mindset is really important too. And there's there's a lot of other reasons why um, people may not may not choose to follow the advice that that we're that we're giving them. Um, just not used to complying. Um, maybe they're the kind of person who uh, just doesn't like to accept advice in general. Maybe the relationship, uh, and Jay was, Jay was talking about all the things that make a strong relationship on the part of the advisor and the client, the things that an advisor provides, which, uh, which, which gives value. Maybe the relationship is just not strong enough. Maybe it's- Yeah, it's and that's, you know, my first point was about trust and, you know, it's your money and it's, it's not a tangible item. And, you know, you can't really see it. You don't have stacks of money. It's a, it's an investment statement. So if you're buying a car, you can see it. You can see how it performs and it's, it's hands-on. When you're talking about money, you really have to trust someone. Yeah. And if you don't have that trust, um, it's, it, and if you're, like you said, 86% of the people aren't necessarily following the advice. I'm not sure if the trust level is, is 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it typically in many, in many cases wouldn't be. Um, maybe people just feel it's not the right recommendation for them. Uh, mm-hmm. And by right, maybe it's too much work. Maybe it's cutting out things that they just don't want to change in their, in their, uh, their lifestyle and so on. Uh, a lot of people also feel, and you touched on this, Jay, that a plan, having a plan is enough. So if, if a plan is put together, and I'm not talking about just the investment statement that you were referring to, which happens all the time we mm-hmm. run into that situation where we ask people to bring in their plan and they bring, they bring a statement in. Um, but when people actually have a plan, um, sometimes that gives them enough confidence to feel that that's all they need. And whether they mm-hmm. follow through on that plan or not is an, is another story. Uh, maybe the plan doesn't match the expectations that people had in, in many cases. Right. Uh, procrastination, obviously, procrastination is is a is a component of uh, a lot of situations in life, and that also applies to to people that when they're working with an advisor, whether or not they they follow all the advice that they've been given. Let me Values. jump in here, Gary, because yeah. I, I do want to ask a question in our next segment. We're out of time in this one, but I want to pounce upon that forty nine percent of Canadians who work with an advisor, but only 16% fully follow their recommendations. I'll ask you about that when we come back here on Planning Your Financial Future on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. 
Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. And one last go round here on planning your financial future on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin with Jay Llewellyn and Gary Hogan. Those two fine gentlemen are senior financial consultants at Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Find them online at donfox.net and call IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Just before the break, Gary, you mentioned that 49% of Canadians virtually half of the Canadian population work with an, a, a financial advisor, but only 16% fully follow the recommendations. Has that number been steady over the years? Has it increased? Has it decreased? And what could we possibly read into that fluctuation? It's more of a recent study that's been done. So I, I don't really have a history on that. But uh, what the study concluded too, really quickly is that there's a, there's a delta uh, or a variation for what people know and what they think they know. So I think that that mm-hmm. in part answers that mm-hmm. that question. No, very good, very good. Yeah, and just to, just to, not to get on to belabor the point, but yeah, just trust is everything, right? And, and with every relationship, and no different with your financial planner or your financial advisor, trust has got to be there. I wanted to talk a bit, just kind of change gears here a little bit, and just a, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about uh, top investing ter- terms that people Google, and I had a big list again, and I didn't get through it all as as we kind of get sidetracked sometimes on this show, but. But um, a couple of things that people, listeners have been calling in and asking about or, or inquiries, and we get these questions even from our existing clients, just a, just a little bit more in depth. I talked about stocks. I talked about bonds. One thing I didn't talk about was cash. And cash positions right now um, are, are various different things. So cash can be like cash under your mattress or in your, in your top drawer or in your wallet. Um, it can be in your bank account. It can be GICs, it can be a cash account and a trading account. Um, it can be money market accounts. So all of these are are what we consider cash accounts, high interest savings accounts. There's lots, they, they, these are the new thing that are the HISAs, H-I-S-A, uh, that have come out in the last little while that people, all different types of cash. So the, I would say cash is a little bit less on the on the risk scale and, and people don't understand that cash doesn't actually mean cash. When we're talking about it from an investment standpoint, it's all those other things that I talked about. Quick example of what's going on right now, cash accounts and trading accounts are paying 1.75. So it's just sitting in cash, not invested in anything, paying around 1.75%. And that's a lot to do with what's gone on. And, you know, Gary, we talked about in the first segment about what's gone on with interest rates and how they've risen. Uh, five-year GICs right now paying 4.2%. Just a couple of years ago, they were minus or just uh, just above zero, just above 1%. Um, even some that I was seeing short-term GICs were paying less than 1%. So we're seeing GIC rates at 4.2%, one-year GIC rates at 3.25%. The prime rate, so lending rate, um, that's what a lot of these interest rates are based on, is is sitting at 3.2%. So when you're borrowing money, they use the prime rate, but when you're investing money as well in cash positions, they use that prime rate as a a bar. So yeah, cash, that's that's cash in a summary. Um, One thing I didn't talk about before was ETFs. ETFs, um, similar to mutual funds, um, ETF stands for exchange traded fund. Mutual funds are valued at the end of the day. So when you buy a mutual fund, you get the price at whatever the end of the day price is. So all those stocks within that mutual fund or whatever investments are inside that mutual fund are valued at the end of the day and you get that price, whether you buy it at 9 a.m. or whether you buy it at 3 p.m. 
where if you buy an exchange traded fund it's traded like a stock and you buy it at that specific price at that specific time um and you you can or cannot exercise to buy that stock so again mutual funds price at the end of the day exchange traded funds priced at the second that you purchase it um, at any point during the day when you purchase it um Compound interest is a big one that people always reach out to us for. Um, your investments grow over time um, as the profits and gains are reinvested into your portfolio um, that starts to accumulate over time. And you don't do anything. It's just it's, it's interest or gains that that accumulate on the portfolio. For an example, so if you've got, uh, let's say, a $10,000 investment at 7%, after a year, you've got 10700 The next year, now you're starting with 10700 And if you get 7% again the following year and the following year and the following year, it's compounding on the interest or the gains that you've made. So for an example, after 30 years, that $10,000 investment at 7%, if it never varied from that 7% and always remained 7%, you keep reinvesting your investments. Um, it's around $76,000. So uh, making money on your money for doing nothing. And I tried to teach this to, to my kids the other day and trying to teach them how the money just keeps growing. They were trying to figure out what I did for a living. And I said, you know, it's just money on top of money. I said, it's easy. You don't have to do anything. It just sits there and keeps growing. I said, you know, it's they, they just couldn't fathom the fact that they could make money for doing nothing. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they're young teenagers and they, they work hard for their money. So they, they were pretty impressed with the fact that uh, you can make money on your money. So uh, last thing I'll talk about is... In yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, how soon are they going to join the Fox Group uh, Private Wealth <laughs> Management uh, team? Well, they got to finish high school and university first. <laughs> but yeah, they're on their they're on their way yeah. for sure. We we got to yeah. run. One uh, last thing. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go we ahead. do. Sque okay. Sque squeeze yeah. it in. Squeeze it yeah, in. Yeah, we're just going to. Yeah, indexing. So there's index and indexing. Indexing is refers to uh, often referred to in pension calculations and and when you're trying to figure out how much uh, your your pay is going up or down in terms of uh, how it relates to inflation and index is something different. It's like a stock market um, with similar type investments in a certain uh, investment pool. So an index is different than indexing, um, but I'll, I'll leave it at that and maybe we'll talk about it again on another show. All right. Lots of great stuff there. You can go online to get more info, donfox.net. Call IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. like to thank our two guests today, Jay Llewellyn and Gary Hogan, Senior Financial Consultants at Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and thank you for listening to Planning Your Financial Future on 900 CHML. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.